are listening to The Building Code. I'm Tom Houghton. On this episode of The Building Code, we are honored to be partnering with the NAHB to partially air one of their education sessions from the International Builders Show. We just attended the International Builders Show in Las Vegas last week, and this was one of the 150-plus education sessions that they had available. The NAHB continues to be a pioneer in continuing education in the field. If you haven't been to the International Builder Show, we highly recommend you check it out. It'll be in Orlando, Florida next year, and we'd all love to see you there. The following audio you'll hear is from the session titled The Expectations Game, How to Create a Winning Customer Experience from the Start. This panel was led by Dan Houghton, co-owner of Builder Trend, and included John Crabb, principal owner of Crabb Homes, Nick Schiffer, owner of NS Builders, and Ed Earl, president of Priority One Projects, also known as the Zen Builder. There were some technical difficulties with the audio in the room, so we apologize for that, but the content is still really good. We'll join them in the middle of their panel. You touched on a, a point about change orders, and I think it, that was a mistake I made a lot in early on when it was just me, is that you would do a change order and you wouldn't communicate the fact that that added time to the schedule. And so much so that you would, at the end of the job, you're behind schedule. So right. no, no, you added $50,000 worth of scope, and, and well, you never told me it added time. And I think, right. again, you know, we're, we're, we're repeating ourselves, but the communication of the expectation and the fact that things change, whether mm-hmm. change orders add time to the schedule, and I think that's even more important than the financial side of a change order, is that even if, it, if, if it's a zero dollar change order, we would still issue it and say, hey, just so you know, it adds seven days to the schedule. We're going to still target our original date, but at least we're now adding we're we're adding a buffer to to that end that end date. So zero dollar change orders, schedule change. You're still having the approval yeah. process go through. Got yeah, it. got it. We had a question over here. Question was, could you elaborate on? Never miss the closing date, which is a strong statement by John Crabb here. Never say never. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think that... Just to be a little more clear on my question, it changes all the time. Absolutely. I, when I say I never missed a closing date, doesn't mean that it's the original closing date. It, the, a closing date can move, but it, it, when, it, when you get closer to the end, if you're setting the expectation, if, and, and a lot of times it boils down to, we in this room, I'm gonna throw it out there, we do a poor job of contract management. Contracting 101, everything is in writing, okay? If you're setting customer expectations, contracting 101, everything is in writing, and that includes the closing date. If, if a lumber, and, and in our contracts it talks about, I, I build in Tennessee, and, and we use a Tennessee real estate, uh, uh, or Realtors Association uh, form, and in there it talks about contractors not responsible for material delivery delays and things like that. If they order a front door that takes eight weeks to get there, we have to do a good job of managing that contract we have to say, hey, Tanya, our realtor over there, needs to do an amendment that, that extends the contract six weeks, because we only had it two weeks. So now my closing date's moved another six weeks. So it's not that I'm not, I'm not moving the closing date, but once it's all said and done, I'd better hit that closing date. 
if I say it's going to be May 1st and, and then, well, we have 10 weeks of rain and we bump it out three weeks and, and because it affected the schedule that three weeks, I have to communicate that to the homeowner and say it, our, our, it's moved three weeks. And then we, we both sign, again, we both put it in writing and then I need to make sure that I'm hitting May 21st now. Make sense? So do you ever, do you kind of have a time frame at the end, call it two weeks, three weeks, where it's a hard locked-in close date regardless? We do. We actually, you talk about punch. We, we have a set process on the punch list. Okay. Uh, um, I think a lot of builders, <clears throat> finishing a job is very, very difficult. Hardest part of the job. Yeah. You, you have a superintendent yeah. that he's looked at the job the entire time. If you're not focusing on punch list, you need to. We, I, th I think communication also drops because everyone's under the gun yep. and they're rushing to get it done and there's that closing date that can't move and everyone is just so focused on getting the job done that now communication lacks. And they're, and they're pretty sure that they know the closing date hasn't changed, but they also haven't gotten a daily log or they haven't got the weekly update or they haven't got the, right. the, the, the email that they usually get or the phone call. And I think that, you know, yeah, the, finishing the job is by far I think one of the hardest things, and the one, the biggest thing that we can improve on as uh, contractors. I, we developed in in our company an eight an eight I call it the eight day punch process, but it's an eight event. And I'll run it down real quick. Uh, so day one is superintendent comes in and he punches it. It's a functional punch. Are all the doorknobs on? Are all the light fixtures in? Are all the it's big stuff. So then day two and three, all of our subcontractors come back in because, and we tell our homeowners, hey, look. We're not gonna come back and fix this stuff during the build. If you see that that light fixture needs moved, my electrician's not coming back. And, I, and we tell them for our contractor to come back, it, it costs him 200 bucks to come back. And they're like, what do you mean? He's just down the road. And I'm like, by the time he gets in his truck, he packs up his tools, gets in his truck, drives over to the other neighborhood, fixes the light, disrupts his whole production, it's $200. I'm not bringing a subcontractor back in every single day for 200 bucks. So we bring them back on day two and three, or, or event two and three is and the subcontractor all subcontractors or what? All subcon all functional. Okay. And then day four, uh, superintendent's coming back in, and, and now we're into the pretty stuff. Okay, we're, we're drywall and paint is really what it is. And then day five, uh, 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 drywall contractor comes in and, and fixes all of his punch from day four. Day six. Uh, drywall's been touched up, it's homeowner walkthrough. And we tell our homeowners, hey, this is when they're coming in. This is where it gets a little squirrely. We, we call it day seven is when we fix the homeowner punch, but we actually set the expectation that we have five days to, to fix that. And it gives us a little bit of time. Theoretically, we shouldn't have a whole lot of big stuff. And then day eight is the what we call a verification walk. So we do a final walk on day six with the homeowner. And then on day eight, we do the verification walk. We stress to them, we're not repunching the house. You're not seeing more stuff because it's a man-made product. You could you can punch a house to death. Well, that to, to elaborate on that, so we do the, the client walk and we build a list mm -hmm. and we agree on the list and then we complete that list. And I think that verification day is when you make sure that that list was completed. Mm -hmm. And then that the way we communicate it is that when that list is completed, final payment is due. And when final payment is received, the warranty is in effect. If anything between the time that uh, final payment, basically any t anything between being verified and that they're adding stuff to the list that will be taken care of during our warranty period. Yes. And that and there needs to be that c 
clean line because otherwise that for, a lot, for me it's closing I don't, I don't get paid until right. we close on the house so it's right and it's in and you absolutely you can punch a house to death we, we do the verification walk two hours before closing got a question here no the question was is the punch list being done after they were in the home no or some portion of it I mean we we do a lot of remodeling. Um, I would say primarily most of our remodeling, they're moving out. But if they live there, I mean, then you know we kind of give that space back once the punch list is, is done. You know, we try to avoid at all costs. If even if we're doing a small renovation, is this is our space until we're we're done. We Don't there's no in and out. I mean, we all know dust. I mean, that's huge in remodeling. So if we can avoid any transfer of that. So I think this is a good transition into you know one thing I've seen with a lot of. Newer builders, particularly, is they think their job is when it's complete, they hand over the keys or they move all their tools out, that the job is over and they're moving on. Obviously, for the folks who have been in the room and been doing this for a while, sometimes the job just begins mm. at closing. And one mistake we see a lot with a lot of newer contractors is they cut off the communication at the closing or at the end of the job. Talk about setting the expectations when you move out of the house or when you close? And, and why don't we start with you? Well, and I think that's the thing with warranty. You know, I think a lot of contractors see warranty as a, as a, a pain in the butt kind of thing and they try to avoid it. And we tell all of our coaching clients, that's some of the best marketing you can do is in the warranty work. And that's what you really shine at because the fact is, and I see this as an owner's rep, what the client remembers is the last 10% of the job. And that last 10% is that warranty work. So if you, if you can shift the mindset and, and really look at the warranty as a marketing expense, you're willing to maybe spend more time and money than you otherwise would and realize that it's going to pay dividends down, down the way. Sure. But it's also, you know, we tell this, this is something recent for us, is that when we finish a project and we're done, we actually build the book, right? The, the book with all the specs in it, all the manuals and everything like that, that they never open. It sits in their mechanical room. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But we also build that digitally, and, and then we put together, you know, we just completed a house, and it's a 1,600-page document. Um, and then we pair that with an eight-page spreadsheet showing what every device requires for maintenance in the home and a cost associated with it, like, for instance, you know, hey, you should change the filter, this is, you know, given the, the link to the filter, the specs, they, the reality is they're not going to want to buy these filters or do these changes or anything. So to your point, the marketing side of it, while it, it could be a marketing expense in the beginning, I, we're looking at it as this is a much more profitable endeavor in the building and remodeling because when they finish the job, they just want the home to be maintained. And setting up a division in within our company for a small project's maintenance warranty is that hey, this is what the house requires for maintenance, and to, to, to keep up with your warranty. But this is the price that we can do it for. You know, maybe it's twelve thousand dollars per year, and you get six visits a year, and this is what we will do on those day, days. Every client we've even just had the communication with or offered that, that it's not even a question. It's yeah, we we'll, we'll take that. And what that does to to your point is. It also I'm cringing here. I'm going, oh, golly. We're, we're no, a little different. We're a little different. But for, I'd never be done with the house. For us, being in the remodeling is that now we're in their life. We're there six times a day when they need, you know what, can you paint? We, we want one of these rooms painted. You know, can you, can you set that up? You know, we're thinking about building a vacation home. You know, you, we don't want to reach out. Or, there, you know, we have a small electrical project. There's only one person they're calling, and you're trying to avoid them 
from building a relationship when, with someone else right. at this point. And you've had a client now for life, not just for a project. Right, right? and from the in, imagine another plumber coming into the house, not knowing what we did, mm. not having the specs. We can look at it on a computer and say, oh, that faucet failed. Let's just order the parts for it and head over there for two hours. And if we don't need the parts, we return them. I, I wholeheartedly agree that, that you, you lose a lot of clients in warranty. It, Explain you, that real quick. Well, you, they, they may be raving fans of yours at the end of the closing, but then in that year warranty period, you, you don't respond, you don't do things that they, that they think are warranty, so therefore they're not a raving fan anymore. And, and I call it, we've lost them. Yeah, you call, um, they call someone else. They call someone else. Well, one of the biggest compliments that we've had in our business is we've built probably a dozen homes for repeat clients. We've built three Three clients have built three homes with us over 14 years. We're, and again, we're in a military town. They transition out. They come back two or three years later. They want to build another house with us. They leave again two or three years. They come back. That's a huge compliment. So it, it's, it's very big to us. From a new construction standpoint, one of the things, another takeaway, builder books down there in the, on the show floor, there is a book called Residential Construction Performance Guidelines. NIHB publishes it cannot tell you enough how much that has changed our business. Because guess what? Any of you builders in here, in a client's eyes with a, a cracked concrete slab, you're a dirty dog for not fixing it. You just are. That's in their mind, they're going, well, you just don't. I actually had a lady tell me this one time. I said, ma'am, that there's nothing wrong with this. And it was a crack in her garage floor slab. She said, you just don't want to fix anything, do you? And I mean, snarled at me and I thought, wow, and the, that was in, I think, October, November. And in January, I'm out here and I'm talking to somebody about, hey, this, I, I need something more objective because the subjectivity of, of warranty, the client thinks this way and, and we in this room think this way. We, we actually modified our warranty to include the verbiage that that book is what we go by. And what it does for us is it sets a lot of, in the book it says, Hey, if your garage floor slab is cracked, any, any crack over 3 sixteenths of an inch, and it's on page 58, by the way. I use this as an example. But any crack over 3 sixteenths of an inch, and then it sets what the performance of the house should be. And so I would highly encourage you guys to look for that book because setting that expectation, because unlike you, I don't have the people. I don't have a team of carpenters. And I, I'm a big advocate for, for school systems training the trades. Because in our area, we don't have people that can do that. We, they're not there. They're all making $25 an hour framing houses. And it, it's, it's crazy to think that, I'm, I admire you. I don't know how you can maintain houses. Because I can't, I, we own apartments. I can't find people to maintain apartments. Yeah. So. so on the communication side, oh, we got a question here. Uh -huh. We do too. Right. Yeah, so the point was made that just making sure the expectations are setting, you know, you're talking about the warranty work really in the onboarding process, even before they even sign a contract with you. So the expectations aren't new at closing. 
Talk about when it's gone bad. Oh, we got. Wait, we have a microphone too, so we'll take questions. If you could use the microphone just so the people in the back can hear you, that'd be awesome. What was the question? We do. The warranty book. We, we don't have them sign off on it, but it, it, inevitably they're going to lose it in the build process, and, and we provide it there. at the ver we, we actually provide them a folder there at the verification walk, and it's got it in there. Yes. Yeah. So the warranty guidelines are part of the contract? Absolutely. For yes. all of you. Okay. Question here. Uh, so it's actually back, John, you were talking a little bit earlier about your eight-day uh, process. We have a similar process. We do a walkthrough with the homeowner at the end. However, we get a very common situation where then the homeowner moves into the house and says, hey, you didn't fix that spot up there. In this case, it would be your verification piece. When they come back in and they say, well, I have seven more things. They were on the last one. You just didn't fix them. How do you resolve if it was marked before, if it's not marked later? How are you marking it? Well, usually we do blue tape. Stop. Tape everything. Okay. Stop right now. Sure. Uh, this is, I'm giving away all my trade secrets. <laughs> well, we're, we're in different markets, every so it's house, all right. Every house that Crab, Home, Crab Homes builds faces north. Faces okay? what? Faces north. Yep. Every house. Because on, on my sheet, I don't blue tape anything. Although, that brings up the, the cell phone. If you're going to blue tape something, video it. Yep. Walk around the room and videotape it. I don't like that because my house always faces north. We came in the front door right here, right? So if I'm going to have a, a touch-up spot in this room, right, right over here ne next to the sound booth, okay. I'm going to put touch-up drywall on the south wall of the conference room, four feet over from the, the southwest, four, four feet up. And you can shorthand it real quick. But then the client comes back and they go, well, you know, that spot right there, it was on the list. No, it wasn't. It, it's always in writing. Remember, contracting 101, if you're setting expectations, everything is in writing. And you got to look for easy ways to do it. I've had, uh, we, we voice dictated uh, our uh, punch list before. And, and it, it's funny when you're not going to get away from that. But, but let me ask you something. If that spot's up there and, and, and the client says, man, it's, you know, you didn't fix this spot. Honestly, for most of you in this room, because you care about your business or else you wouldn't be at IBS, don't we really want to fix that? Well, that's, I mean, we do. We do. Okay. I mean, at the end of the day, right, they come back and they say, well, you didn't fix it? Okay, yeah. we'll fix this one, you know. That's, and that was actually my follow-up question. If you know that it's not there, is that what you do too? We, we a lot of times will... It'll get fixed at warranty, but that's exactly what Ed's talking about, that that's a marketing tool. We have, yeah. and in our um, accounting system, we have a warranty line item, and then we also have a customer service line item. And, and our warranty manager, if he wants to fix something that's, that's really not warranty, he's going to go through and he's going to say, hey, this was a customer service. It cost us 200 bucks. Well, that's that marketing side that Ed's talking about. One, th one thing we add to that, and you're, you're probably going to cringe at this too, but, <laughs> you know, especially with uh, having our own cabinet shop is we do a, a one, uh, one to two month follow up mm -hmm. saying, you know, hey, now your cabinets are filled with your plates, your pots, you figured out where everything goes. We just want to schedule a return visit. And we're going to go through and adjust all the cabinetry because at this point, you know, inside cabinetry reveals are off. We want this to continue to look good. Uh, and we'll do that and we'll kind of continue that as a customer service maybe once a year and just, you know, 
if we're selling them on the maintenance package, then that just becomes part of the maintenance program. Can I, I want to touch on this because this is one thing that we've changed this year in our business. And it's, it, it brought a lot of discussion. The girls are over there going, I don't know. <laughs> we, we used to do a 60-day walk and a one-year walk. And we actually stopped doing it. And it was, man, it was a gut-wrenching thing from a company that we've built our, again, we built three houses for people. But what we found was we weren't meeting expectations because the people had unreasonable expectations. And what we found was if, if we're going to abide by our warranty, we're going to do exactly that. They're going to call us. We're going to fix it. We're going to do it right. But why open yourself up to? Because you lose more clients by going, you know, he comes in and says, hey, I want this fixed. And you're going, well, it's not warranty. And, and it's unreasonable. And, you know, give me an example lady's boxer chewed off the baseboard in a house and she wanted us to fix it and i'm going ma'am that's not reasonable well guess what i lost her because now she's mad at us because we wouldn't fix it so we stopped doing the walks because we were generating creating more work for ourselves and it just i, th I think having, that was a hard thing to do though i think that's you know i can see how that being how that would be very difficult because if you open that up and say, hey, we're going to do a one-year walk, we're just going to walk through any issues, they're like, all right, cool. Yeah, like, get their list They're, they're creating a list. Yeah, exactly. Selling them on the maintenance program, we're just there anyway, and they're, right. not, they're, not, they're not anticipating this, you know, this one-year walk. It's right. just this is part of the routine. On the remodeling side, we're seeing a lot of our customers do the same thing, this kind of estate management, home maintenance service. So many names for it. It is. It's, uh, it's an incredible thing because people of my generation, our generation, a lot of us didn't grow up knowing how to fix things. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, so there's a huge opportunity there. And you always want to be in their house because they've got right. something to fix. Got a question here? Yeah. Could each of you elaborate how your companies um, handle the costs and expectations of budgeting early on in the process and when you start talking about numbers with a client, whether that's a first call or you wait until you give them a budget and what, what your process looks like? That's a great question. Is my builder here by chance? Because I still don't know how much my project's going to cost. <laughs> I don't want to know Where how much they? your project costs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Can, can I hit that first? Um, one of the things that for me as a semi-custom builder, everybody wants the $500,000 house for $200,000. They bring the Pinterest book in and, and we're going, hey, look. We're... So one of the scripts that I use is um, I will throw out, or, or, and the ladies will throw out the dollars per square foot, rough idea. Hey, you want this house in this neighborhood, it's roughly this much per square foot. If you want 2,300 square foot, your house is going to be roughly this. It may move a little. What I'm doing is I'm establishing honesty. Okay? I don't want the client thinking that I'm... And then what I tell them is, <clears throat> your budget, I promise you, you're going to overshoot. And then Jennifer's going to get in there in the estimate, and she's going to figure out what to cut out to get that budget down. And once you can get that budget down... So, so I tell people all the time, it... it when you give me your number, it's $350,000 house. I promise you that our proposal is going to be $349,000. And they all, yeah, I bet it would be. But I've already told them it's, it's cost per square foot. And I'll say, if we take your Pinterest book and we price it out and we've already got this, you're already over budget. So now it's our job to figure out what to cut out of that that you'll be happiest with. And a lot of times she'll give them a shopping list. The, the farmhouse sink is this much. The, this is this much. But when you're pricing it from a, a production semi-custom builder, 
price it honestly. Give them your numbers up front and then ask them what their, what their top dollar is. And Ed, I've seen some of your projects, I mean, 10, 15 million dollars in Southern California. Maybe we're budget. I'm sure some of you have customers where you're doing these multi-million dollar projects. Everybody cares about money. Right. Some just and, care and, about it differently, right. right? And everyone has a budget. <laughs> I mean, you know, the $25 million house has a budget. And I think it's really important, even on a, something like that, that you really, the budget has to be at the forefront. And, and you, you can't go and design the house and then put together the budget. You gotta start with a budget at the beginning, design to that budget, mm -hmm. and then work towards it. And you know, of all of our contractor coaching clients, we, they are always, we always tell them, argue against adding something. Argue against, you know, your, your role really is to help them reduce their scope to stay within budget, not to, not to increase it. Yeah, and for us, you know, being more custom and remodeling, it's, you know, we operate cost plus. We're communicating the fact that we're, our pricing, you know, our pricing structure is transparent, but similar is that we're, if we want to be involved, design build. So as that design is unfolding, we're also budgeting. And what that process looks like to us is if there's already maybe schematic design, we're going to start communicating what we think this might cost, what the estimate is. And and start getting some numbers thrown out there to understand where they're comfortable, what they're comfortable spending. At that point, if we're aligned and their budget expectation is where we're, we are and we are gonna start developing a design, we take a pre-construction retainer. So what that says is we kind of skip the, the paper estimate and we go right into building a, a formal budget. So as design is unfolding, we're pricing as much as we can at, at, as, as fast as we can to be able to, to, be able to share, you know, you know, the first design development drawing and the first run at the budget and outlining here are your allowances or here's the exposure. And as we get more finalized with the design, the budget becomes more finalized and so on and so forth. So for one example is if we have a project, say it's, you know, the budget's 600,000 for a renovation and we're budgeting and the design is leading and we're, 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 we're creeping up on 600,000 and then we're about to surpass it. We're gonna continue budgeting and, bring, and figuring out where that is, but also start, you know, basically, I'm using Excel as an example, create a second column and then just figure out how you keep it at 600. So then we can come to the table and propose, here's your 600 number, this is what we're gonna have to value engineer, but, you know, for 630,000, you get everything you want. So if the $30,000 is within reach, I would suggest spending the money and you can get what you want. It's or, that shopping list. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed the recording of that session, and again, thank you to the NAHB for providing that to us to share with our listeners. If this is your first time listening to The Building Code and you love what you heard, don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast so you can hear from more guests that will benefit your business. Also, please check out our show notes page for more information on what we discussed on this episode. You can find it at buildertrend.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Building Code. Appreciate you.